This episode contains discussions including explicit language, body dysmorphia, gender dysphoria, gender shaming, food and diet, and spirituality. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Body Story Podcast, a show about the way we're navigating the world and the bodies we've been given. I'm your host, Tiffany Eller, and I believe that if one person's story can change the way you look at them, a collection of stories may be able to change the world. Today, I'll be speaking with Mo Bengoa, who's self-described as just a soul unlearning everything they thought they were meant to be so they can be something even better. Mo experiences something known as gender dysphoria, a condition of feeling a conflict between a person's physical gender and the gender with which they identify. And that's what we will be discussing today. Let's get into the episode. Hey, Mo. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing really good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So you told me that the title of your body's story would be Just a Soul in a Meat Suit. <laughs> and I think that's perfect. I, I did too, because <laughs> I probably spent, you sent me that question and I even responded to you. I was like, you know, that's the hardest part of doing anything. <laughs> but um, when you asked for like, what would I title this? And I just, it took me forever. I spent a whole day just trying to figure it out. I was at work and I was just like, how am I going to say? What do, uh, what do I have to say to make this accurate to what I'm trying to get across here? And that ended up being like the thing. And I came up with it the next morning when you messaged me, she re- you were like, hey, can you please send that email? <laughs> can you please respond? And so um, that came up in like two seconds. And then I sent it to you before I reread it. And then I was like, wait, what did I say? <laughs> It's perfect. Thank you. And it's it's the perfect embodiment of who I know you to be yeah. as well. So Mo and I, we're really, really good friends. So I'm really <laughs> excited that you're one of my first guests. And um, but let's get into your body story. So first, what what has your relationship with your body been today? Uh, like just today as in How do you feel um, today? I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. Um I have have a weird relationship with my body. I haven't felt very connected with it most of my life. Um, and that comes from like certain traumas that have happened. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. Um, it changes all the time. Just sometimes it's passing by a mirror and I'm like, Whoa what's that? (laughs) Or, or it's a comment or an acknowledgement. Um, so right now I'm doing really good. Yeah. So that being said, where would you like to start in your body story? Um, I guess kind of to break down a little bit of maybe what it is that I am talking about. So the whole gender dysphoria thing is the closest way to describe it. Um, cause I, I guess I would just like to start kind of from the beginning so you guys understand where I'm coming from Absolutely. and why I say what I do. Um, so there are two parts. I want to kind of explain my own personal beliefs because they're critical to the way I perceive myself now and then also um, a little bit of my backstory. So my personal beliefs, I'll just get that out of the way now, is that I'm just incredibly spiritual and I believe that we're simply souls taking form on this earth to learn and experience um what we can't as a soul. 
Um, because if we're just energy, there is no life or death. There is no experience of pain or pleasure. You don't receive emotions outside of whatever vibration you are. So um, I, because I believe that so strongly, um, that's really had a huge effect on how I perceive myself. So when I was, I don't know, probably, probably really young, uh, around three, I didn't understand why people treated me differently. Like I have never seen myself necessarily attached to a gender and I've deeply disliked when I've been forced into certain roles. Um, even when you were a child. Yeah. Even as a child. Well, I was an angry little kid, but that was because I had kind of shitty parents at that time. Um, not to say my mom wasn't a good mom. She just was in her own learning process. Um, so even, even that age, like I didn't really have much interest in Barbies. I only wanted to play with stuffed animals. Like I wasn't interested in wearing tutus and skirts. I wanted to wear things, you know, like I just, all the things that people kind of enforce on their children in stereotypical life is very much about like, oh, you're a female, so I'm going to put you in all these female things or make you play with these female toys. Right. I had G.I. Joes and I had like whatever, whatever things were around me because my, my biological dad, he was a huge nerd. And so like I had access, well, I didn't technically have access, but I stole a lot of his toys because <laughs> he was a huge nerd a collector that has action figures everywhere kind of thing. But, um, yeah, so even back then, I just didn't quite get it. And um, as I grew up, it got worse because as we grow up, our bodies physically change and age. And when I was around 11, 12 is when we had, like, the sex eds class and everything that's around the time I started having the period and there was this distinct dissonance between the aging body that I had that was like changing and going through this stuff and my concept of myself which even now is still very much in this child mind I would say um so as as I was growing up and as I as you know kids started to become more developed and like I started looking less and less like this gender neutral being. I was suddenly being identified as female and people were treating me a little bit differently and I had to wear bras and I was being taught how to behave a certain way. Um, and I also, you know, I took care of my brothers by the age of nine. Like my experiences with being female became very much wrapped around like this role of being a mother mm -hmm. of being a parent. And so it was very upsetting and frustrating to me and I never understood it. And by the age of 13 or 14, my mom was genuinely concerned that I was going to enforce going through um, gender change therapy because I just, I, I just was so unhappy. Um, it, is that something you consider now? No, not anymore. Uh, even back then I knew that that wasn't the right thing, but it was the closest thing that I could think to do that would be, even remotely what I needed, but I, I just didn't know. Yeah. So I know you and I have been talking about this in our yeah. private conversations quite a bit. And the other day you mentioned that if you could get rid of like your, your sex, your genitalia altogether, you would. Yeah. Is that? No, that's absolutely, that's, <laughs> that's actually pretty real. Like I didn't, I, that's been a very recent understanding of myself. Um, 
because I used to think that I was I had a really high sex drive didn't realize that what it was is I was desperate for love those are mm. two very different things but can often be confused when you're ignorant of yourself that's true um so yeah I don't know um I I have so little attachment to gender and it frustrates me endlessly because of the way it changes how people perceive you and treat you and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do um we don't even think about it most of the time like for for a little girl they may walk outside and until the age of about five or six i mean sometimes it starts as an infant um like people already are gendering and sexualizing or adding sexual like uh, energy into conversations like the other day i heard um somebody say oh you're such a little flirt talking to a baby like why would you Oh, I know. I, Why would you say that? I, I saw some onesies at Walmart one time that were like, uh, they were along the lines of like, ladies man or heartbreaker for the girl, but it, it was worse. Whatever it was, I can't remember the exact um, phrasing that was on it, but it was like, infants. That's That's been something that I've really struggled with throughout my life is because we are conditioned from essentially birth like the moment we're born it's pink or blue Mm -hmm. it's uh, like even in the hospital when you have your baby it used to be that if it was a girl they put it in a pink blanket if it was a boy it was a blue blanket like it was that specific gender and I grew up seeing because I like when I was growing up there was a lot of like these cool tv shows showing up talking about you know, these weird medical anomalies or people that had multiple mm-hmm. gender or that were one gender or the other or neither or both, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I was exposed to a lot of that stuff as I was growing up, which is partly why I was considering going through the gender therapy stuff because I'd seen it. Um, but what I ended up coming up to now is that I just have, I, I want to be able to fully detach from the fact that I um, female. So because you are so spiritual, I know that in the spiritual community, there's a lot of talk about the divine feminine and the divine masculine. Yes. So how do you, how do you experience the divine feminine and the divine masculine? Cause I, I think you do experience both of those, don't you? Absolutely. Um, so my husband and I have had this conversation numerous times because we, discuss all sorts of weird things together trying to figure it out but essentially what we kind of came to is that those are just the closest words masculine and feminine are just the closest words that match the vibration of what that energy really is yes we don't have better words for it um maybe in a different language but in english we don't right and so because of that like that's what it's attached to and then they also assume that masculine and feminine is a thing that's like in standard society, it's expected that a female is feminine, a male is masculine, which is not true. If right, this is this is where taking out the whole gender aspect. Like, if you don't look at somebody and think, "Oh, you're a female, you should be feminine," you simply look at a person and see, and see them as a person. You recognize they are both masculine and feminine. Right. Um. It, it, it's yeah. It's more a description of characteristics than Mm -hmm. it is of people like being nurturing like that Mm -hmm. is in our society traditionally considered to be a feminine thing yeah but 
we need to see men being nurturing and men have the desire to nurture. So although it's always been aligned with being this feminine concept, it's something for everybody. And it's, it started very small, but within the last 10 years, the world has changed a lot. When I, or 10 years ago was when I first experienced, like, I guess that, that dissonance between my age and my gender and my position in the world and like everything. Cause that was about, that was 16 for me. But that was also when I found out about food allergies and that I was allergic to certain things and how it affected my body. Um, and there wasn't a lot of options back then. Like there wasn't a whole lot of alternatives for, um, almond milk or cashew or coconut milk. It was, if you have ever done this, it was rice cream. <laughs> the worst it was like it was water with something white in it <laughs> and it was terrible like rice milk it's rice milk but it was worse it was so much worse and that was like the only thing that was available and going to the co-op was just outrageously expensive and it, they were so hard to come by you know there was there was just one co-op for a long time and there's only been another co-op uh like our local co-op here in idaho or Boise, um, that just moved into the village in Meridian, mm -hmm. like, what, three years ago? Yeah, three or four years ago. So it's taken forever for these big transitions to happen. So, mm -hmm. and then does the, okay, so does the body dysmorphia interact with the gender dysphoria? I think, I, yeah, I would say so, because I guess it's kind of a combination of the two more than anything. It's more like, Yes, I have gender dysmorphia, but the body dysmorphia is I'm a fucking adult female capable of bearing children. And there's an expectation by society to do that. Yeah. can So you expressed that in a private conversation that yeah. you experienced one of these instances from a coworker mm -hmm. earlier this week. Did you want to talk a little bit about your experience of, of having that... Um, I guess, procreation expectation put on you? Yeah. Um, so around the time when I started having a period, that's when the body dysmorphia happened. And I also, I used to be 160 pounds at my heaviest, which for someone of five, at 5'4", five, four, five, four, that's kind of a lot. Um, and for you? For me, for my, for my frame size, because I'm very petite. Um, and so for me, that was just, it was a lot. And I didn't, I was still learning that it was like allergies and that it was, I was eating a lot of shit food and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, when going through that aspect and then I lost a ton of weight, um, there was a lot of dissonance where I'd like look in the mirror and I wouldn't recognize my own face or I would be very confused. Like it was more so than anything, like a just literal disconnect that I am in a body. Mm -hmm. It would be passing a mirror and go, whoa whoa, <laughs> like the cats in the videos where they're like looking at themselves in the mirror and they start like attacking it. Um, <laughs> I can see you doing that. I love those videos too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I really have struggled with that as I have gotten older, especially because there's, there's that shift in our biology and um, around the age of 30 is peak fertility. And it's more expected of people, you know, between 25 and 30 to have kids. Um, so I knew I didn't want kids since I was like probably five. 
<laughs> a long time. A long You're time. pretty set in that. <laughs> I was pretty sure about that forever. Um, and so it was only as I got older, and especially as I started like having sex and I started dating people, that that question kind of came up a little bit more. But it wasn't until I got married that there was an expectation. Mm-hmm. It was overnight because... You know, my husband's got a wonderful family, but one of his grandparents is very old-fashioned, very traditional. She's an immigrant from another country, and they have a very different idea of what what is expected. And there's a lot of people out there who have that expectation. Like, thankfully, my mom could give a rat's ass, but his family really has an interest in it, and they've expressed that. and. Um, as soon as that started happening, it became incredibly uncomfortable and, um, yeah, so. Do do they know where you stand on this? Do they know that you don't want to have kids? I try and make myself extra clear when it comes (laughs) up, but sometimes I don't, I don't speak out because it's so uncomfortable. Um, it's such Because you are the one in the wrong, like. Yeah, because, because I'm not, I'm not making sense to them right so they they think that i'm crazy or that i'm weird or well why not because they and and it's just easier to not have the conversation yeah it's just easier to just say okay whatever it's fine just let it go um but yeah so at work the other day um a girl came up to me and i had i guess i had technically come up to them i was outside and i could smell food cooking and all i wanted to do was ask which of the places around here has that amazing smell coming from it? So when I went in, because the the office that they were in was like right next to the door. So the door was open. I'm standing there. I'm like, can you guys smell how good this smells? And one of the girls, she gets up and she's like, oh, I can't smell anything. Oh, it's my nose. It's all stuffed up. Maybe you're pregnant. (laughs) And I was like, it threw me off so hard. I didn't even know what to say. Like, what? No, I don't think that's possible because I have an IUD, uh, which is uh, an inner uterine device, if you don't know, because <laughs> it sounds kind of weird. <laughs> um, but which is also it's a form of birth control. Yeah, it's a form of birth control. And so it's 99 percent effective. I would literally have to be so incredibly unlucky for that to happen. And it's also incredibly dangerous if you do get pregnant with an IUD because you're more you're significantly more likely to have an op- op- top- ectopic. ectopic, that's what it is, pregnancy, which is where the egg attaches in the fallopian tube and gets fertilized versus in the, 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 the uterus. uterus. And that can be fatal mm-hmm. um, and also cause like all sorts of problems, including infertility and all this stuff, which for me, I'd be, I'd be happy if I could just never have kids. <laughs> but I just want a button that I can just be like, and it's done. Nope. Never again. But, um, yeah, so anyway, she says that. And then she also adds, because uh, I told her that that's not possible, that God worked in mysterious ways, which for me, I, as a very spiritual person and very tapped into messages and stuff like that, immediately threw me out of out of circle, like out of control kind of because 
for someone to just casually throw that at me and to do who, that. Who like, doesn't know you that well. Who doesn't know me very well at all and, and isn't trying to be offensive. She was just trying to be helpful, be right. sweet. But it was such an offensive thing for her to do for me because it was so incredibly triggering. So I spent the rest of the day like tripping out pretty hard. Um, and that's why I messaged you because I was like freaking out and I was in, in the dark room on break for a minute and I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. I need to go get a pregnancy test. I need to go and just have everything removed. <laughs> Sorry, I'm shaking the chair. Um, and I have to like do all this stuff. I, I gotta, I gotta go do whatever. Like it was just, I was just going down the rabbit hole yeah. so fast and hard because it had thrown me off so bad. Um, and so yeah, that, that happened. Um, and it, isn't the first time that somebody's made a comment like that to me. Uh, one of Keppa's siblings has very uh, uncouthly said multiple times, oh, you're glowing. Maybe you're pregnant. I'm happy. Why, why would you have to say, why do you say that? Why? Why would you do that? So, like, it's just, it's been more common since I got married to the point that it's actually uncomfortable and it's caused a lot of triggering for me. Um... And so this is really connected to both the gender and body dysmorphia because my, that whole thing about like, I believe I'm a soul, not this body. I personally as a soul have no desire to procreate. I'm not here to do that. And I don't want to do that. But there's this pressure and expectation being placed on me by society, by my family to produce children. Even my husband has expressed a couple times, he's been very, very kind and he's changed his, his direction quite a bit since we've talked and I've explained more of this to him. But even he was expressing that he wanted to have an heir, somebody to pass down the, the name to. Um, but it was, it has been such a challenging experience for me because of those, those aspects that I'm working on. And so for me, like, if I could have it my way, I would have no gender and I would have the ability to just shut off my fertility. I have no need to have it. I can still have amazing sex or, or a deep, intimate connection with my husband with or without it. Like, right. the, the energy exchange for me is so important versus the actual physical act anyway. Um, which, again, is weird because I used to think that I was a sex addict. Um, until I realized that I was just really heartbroken and hurt. If I just could have sex with my brain, which is technically the part of our bodies that has the orgasm, that has those like crazy experiences, I would only do that because mm -hmm. my physical body is really quite frail. And it's because of the, the foods that I ate as a kid and like my genetic history and all of this other stuff. Um, and so because of that, for me, Sex isn't always the best, and it requires an incredible amount of preparation and patience. And I don't, I don't respect myself enough sometimes to hold that space. So it requires that other people that are that are present with me have to be that that person to be like, "Are you okay? Is everything good?" Because even if even if I'm hurting, I won't say anything because I don't want to offend them. Yeah. So um, the whole gender thing. And like the whole sex thing, all of that, ultimately, I would just, 
I would probably give it up all if I had the ability to just be the energy body that I that I really am so that I could just connect with those I love in the way that really matters yeah because these physical bodies are are amazing limitations that give us incredible results in our learning but are also of course incredibly limiting right yeah. I think that another thing that I, I don't know I feel like it's worth pointing out is that because you're such a spiritual being and you have a lot of faith in the universe and in your purpose here, yet you still experience the gender dysphoria, I just feel like it's important to call attention to those that think like, oh, well, you're just not one with with God or with your purpose or, you know, I don't yeah. know. I've heard these arguments. I've even had these thoughts in the past about people um, as I kind of... I went through a period where I didn't know what my gender was. And so as I like dealt with my own feelings, the way that I saw myself, so not trying to project on anyone else, but was, Oh, I just have a misbalance of this divine masculine and divine feminine. Yeah. And like, I'm really okay with who I am. I just need to remember that I can be either or both of those things at the same time. But having that experience myself, like, I just want to point out to other people who have maybe thought like that of other people that it's not that you're disconnected from your purpose or you're a lost soul or can, can you speak on that? Or Yeah, I thought about this a lot too um, after I submitted the paperwork to you because I was like, man, what do I, I don't want to say um, because I, the, the point of bringing this up isn't to like trigger anyone or to create argument with me. It's not about that. It's about, just the possibility that there's something bigger and grander out there. And I believe that so much that it's been, it's saved me from doing a lot of things that would have hurt me. Um, and it's allowed me to grow as a person to a point that I don't have a lot of the same shit I used to. But with this whole gender thing, like I have to figure out how to explain this to people all the time. Um, and I guess for me, it's, it's that I recognize that this is all just a part of the game. These are the avatars we picked. And so I recognize this is the avatar I picked. I don't have a problem with this body being called female. I have an offense when it's me as the soul being referred to as female mm -hmm. because I'm not. I'm, I'm something bigger. I'm something greater than that. And to be defined or expected to be that is also offensive. And it's difficult to function in a society that's so black and white, even with the concept of like, oh, we can be both. Actually believing we are both is a different thing entirely. Mm -hmm. I mean, my husband's a very, very kind and sweet man, and I am much sharper. And like I have what may be considered a lot more masculine traits over over him. And it's not because he's not a masculine guy. It's just that he's so much softer and kinder in so many ways when it comes to like working with clients and stuff. I'm very direct. I'm very clear. I'm very logical. I work through problems in a very efficient way versus my husband's very much about the flow and uh, how how can we make you feel better and that kind of stuff. Like I can do that too, but when I'm working, that's more where I'm at. Because our words are so powerful, how we say something is almost more important than what we say. Oh, yeah. 
And so that's something that I always try and take into account because I want, I want to really get the point across because like there's this, there's this um, artist, she's a model, well, they are a model technically. Um, I think it's at a Dove Rain or Rain Dove, but they are absolutely gender neutral. And the things that they post on Instagram and Facebook and all over their social media platforms literally is exactly how I feel. So is this an Instagram artist? It's Rain Dove Model um, on Instagram. And I know that they have a Facebook and I think they have a couple more platforms that they're on, but Instagram's the one I, I use the most. Um, and they, they're so amazing. Like they're, acceptance of others is so extreme in the way it is different from the rest of the world like they post actually uh comments that people send them and like some of these people these the ones that got posted are probably the least offensive of some of the things that they probably get sent but um rain will receive messages like will what do you have in your pants? Whatever. Like bullshit like that. And it'll be so offensive and so derogatory. And Rain's response is always so much in the same vein as how I feel, which is very much like, it doesn't matter. And I'm not, I understand and I recognize the ignorance that is happening right here. And I'm going to just hold space for you to see yourself and hold space for you. Because when people lash out at you, it's not because they want you to hurt. It's because they're hurting. Right. And that happens all the time. You see it happen at, like, the cash register. Lady in line is buying a bunch of alcohol, and something happens, and she starts screaming at the or the person at the register, freaking out, and like, why did you do that? Blah, blah, blah. Or give me my fucking coupons. <laughs> I have actually been a cashier, so I speak from experience. <laughs> Those are actual experience. <laughs> But, um, like, they aren't doing it necessarily because they want me to hurt. They're doing it because they're hurting. And in response or, yeah, or in reaction to that, they are trying to inflict their pain on the world because that's how they perceive the world. Um, so Rain Dove so often just holds space for these people who are like, well, what are you? And then just allows them to be educated in a way that is not offensive to them and is always, always incredibly like gentle and kind, always respectful. Um, so I honestly think that they do a significantly better job at it, like at living it because it's so much of a literal thing. It's not something that I can just share with you and say, you have to see it. What could that even look like to be without gender? There's a perfect example of somebody who's living it. They, act, they function as both a male and female model. They originally got hired to be a male model because their body and their like face shape and body height and everything were perfect for it. Nice. Yeah. So it it's just a very um, like hard thing for me to necessarily just say to you and get the point across because I don't know how yet. Yeah. Yesterday... I asked you if you exclusively were going by they, them, because in the past, my relationship with you has been referring to you as she, her. Mm -hmm. um, and when I asked that, you were like, uh, I don't know if I can, like, ask people to 
to refer to me as they, them? Like, what does that feel like knowing that you don't identify as a she, her, or a woman, yeah. but like where you're at right now, where you're, you might have to start asking yeah. people to correct their pronouns for you. It's just so, it's so hard. I don't want to do it <laughs> because I know that even for me being, being in this place and having felt the way I felt, even I have struggled, even I've struggled and I try my best when people tell me things like that. Um, so for me, if it's, if it's a struggle for me, I can't imagine how hard it must be for other people. And so I don't want to, I don't want to make people uncomfortable and I don't want to create any chaos around it just because, you know, I'm telling my husband's grandma <laughs> that she can't refer to me that way anymore. Like, I don't know. It's a pick your battles kind of yeah, thing. It's so much a pick your battles. And it's just one where it's like, it doesn't really matter. The really, the really important stuff is like when Kepa and I are talking, um, that's my husband, when he and I are talking, um, if he strongly is gendering me, like it's very rare that he ever says she or woman or anything like that. But when he does, it throws me off so hard and it's super uncomfortable. And I've, we've talked about that before. And um, he's pretty receptive. Yeah. Well, my husband's the sweetest man I'm telling you <laughs> he, you tell him that you don't like a thing and he'll never do it again or at least try his best never to but um he's he's taken really well to it and my parents are they also try but they're like really clumsy about it because even my name they because I was Morgan my whole life and then when I married Kappa he started calling me Mo which is the nickname I wanted since I was <laughs> eight. I've always wanted to be called Mo I was like, why would you not call me Mo? It's so much better. And so he finally gave me that name uh, and made that a thing. And now I also go by Moira, but I prefer to be called Mo. And even then, like, they have a hard time just with my name. So it's like something that important they struggle with. Am I really prepared to also ask them to please refer to me as they, them? Because then it becomes, you have to become an educator in every single one of those moments, which is a lot of emotional labor for you. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. It's not It's not something that I think a lot of us want to do. And um, for those of my friends who have gone through transition, um, I, I don't understand how they can do it. It's so hard. Like, I guess for them, because they are, it is so specifically related to gender, it might be easier. But because I don't see myself as a gender, it makes it even harder because it's like, well, well, I guess I'll just make everything really weird because mm, it's easy to switch from she, he, she to he, or he to she, but it's not nearly as easy to go into they, them, because that's referring, that sounds like a plural. Um, it doesn't, it's not like a normal vocabulary thing. So it's just like way harder to get across. I find that like today, even since you got to my house, like, I referred to you as she, to my daughter, and then I was like, oh, dang it, and so, like, from that point on, I was using they, them, and it, it's a learning curve, but I appreciate your patience, I think that's the only thing I have to add to it, because I think a lot of us who, you know, we identify as the gender that was assigned to us, a lot of us want to try and we want to get it right and we want to make sure we're honoring 
you. And sometimes it just is a slip. So I know that I, I can only speak on behalf of myself, but I appreciate your patience as I navigate new pronouns and try to figure them out along the way. I'm getting better, though, because I have you, quite a few friends that are... You always say that, though. You do a good job. I, I really try. So we're kind of coming to the end of our time. What is one thing you wish that our audience would walk away from today having learned? I hopefully this all was relatively clear. I know that it kind of went all over the place into so many different topics, but um, the ultimate goal is that there's, there's even the conception of the idea that we can exist and still play this human game without the necessity or the necessity of gender. And also to respect that people are all different and we can't, without hurting others, we cannot place our expectations of ourselves on other people. And doing that creates a snowball effect where we continuously will deal with this feeling of not being enough. So if we want to really heal this planet and really heal the people in it, we've got some serious work to do. And if we can conceive of a person that can be without gender entirely, and allow that to be a thing and allow them to be themselves. I think that we're, we're going to be able to figure this out. Beautiful. Thank you for being with us today, Mo. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Always. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash body story podcast. Patreon is a crowdfunding membership platform that provides business tools for creators and artists to build relationships with their supporters and provide them with exclusive experiences. You can support the Body Story podcast with as little as $1 a month in exchange for behind-the-scenes recordings, updates, and eventually, free merch! This episode was made possible by our Patreon supporters Stephanie Baird and Jonathan Stratton, with additional support from Kayla Joe Wall and Nick Hobner. The Body Story Podcast's editor is Daniel Vogt, our producer is Amanda Ray, and our creative director is Emily Fisher. We'll see you on the next episode.